Oh, hello there. I'm sure you were expecting to hear the Astro Blast theme song, but unfortunately, before we get there, today has called for a very sensitive and shitty PSA. This episode is about the signs and elements as Harry Potter houses, and we taped it before J.K. Rowling voiced a very, very bad take on Twitter. In the spirit of the goodness found in the story of Harry Potter, we've decided to share the unedited episode. Please know that Chris, Jenny, Rishi, and myself all do not support JK's tweet, and anything we say about her in this episode was said before the tweet. Happy holidays, and hopefully you can still enjoy the episode, despite what the fuck she said. Okay, great. Ah, Jesus Christ. Please stop. Jess is pissed as hell, and it's freaking Christmas Eve. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to Astro Blast, um, the podcast where today we talk about not just one thing I care about, but two. <laughs> Harry Potter and Astro Blast. What about Christmas? Do you care about Christmas? I actually do love Christmas. Oh, there you go. Does that balance it out enough? Yes. Uh, my name's Chris Farron. I'm Jess Abbott, and we're here with... Uh, our favorite guest, Rishikesh Hirway, who Woo! is uh, the... You have such a um, king of powerful intro. He said to tell us to say king of podcasting. <laughs> well, musician in uh, the 1AM radio and host of podcast West Wing Weekly and Song Exploder. Mm-hmm. Anything else we should add to your vast repertoire? A new podcast is coming out because West Wing Weekly is ending. Oh, no. Yeah. But I'm starting a new one called Partners. It'll start in February. What's that about? It's about two people and the the story that they share. Cool. Great. So it's like a fiction thing. No, oh, it's not oh. fiction. It's sort of like it was. In, it's. Do you remember the couples, the old couples in When Harry Met Sally, who yes. break up the movie and like tell the, their story to the camera? Yeah, it's that, but in uh-huh. podcast form, and it's sort of all different kinds of partnerships. So there's romantic partners and creative partners and business partners. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And that's the idea. Cool. Rishi's also a 2007 South by Southwest performer. That's right. Is Pretty that where cool. you guys met or something? Well, I saw him there. <laughs> <laughs> we the looked at each backpack. other across the room and silently said, in about 11 years, <laughs> we're going to really capitalize on this moment. Oh, yeah. my God. Hell so yeah. we won't. There, there won't be a probe this episode because we've already probed Rishi. Um, <laughs> you can refer to that episode in the past. It was a fantastic little probe, if I do say so myself. Wow. And yeah, so we're going to talk about Harry Potter houses uh, for a little holiday ep because, I don't know, something about Harry Potter feels really Christmassy. I, f- I think it's like maybe the only holiday that they acknowledge in the books and like they seem to go all out every time there's Christmas. There's a lot of Christmas happening in this there's a very scary Christmas song in this movie where it just sounds like ghosts saying Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry right. Christmas. They're like, Merry it's very scary. Well, I think the fact that the movies came out during Christmas time automatically imbues the stories with some Christmas. Oh, that's right. Did all of them come out? That can't be true because I remember dressing, I would dress up for all the movie premieres every time one would happen. And I remember standing outside like wearing nothing but my Harry Potter outfit, like no coat was involved. (laughs) Yes, my sexy (laughs) Harry Potter number. (laughs) I'm Harry Potter, but sexy. (laughs) Four of them came out in summers and four of them came out in November. Okay. These are the movies. The movies, yeah. We're going to do some like Harry Potter astrology trivia that I dug up and um, and we're going to intersect the house sorting system with astrology. Um, Rishi and I are going to sort ourselves based on our charts into the Hogwarts houses and then we'll team up and sort Chris and Jenny. And Chris has he knows almost nothing about Harry Potter. He watched the first movie last night. That's right. Um, I don't imagine Chris not knowing much about something. What the hell? I know (laughs) all sorts of stuff about all different things. Just nothing we ever choose to talk about on the podcast, <laughs> except Edge of Tomorrow that one time. He's into a different kind of movie. <laughs> hey, come on. I make no, as as I stated on a previous episode, I am never joking around about sex ever again. Um, Jenny knows a lot about Harry Potter, and I'm sure she'll have her own opinions about how we sort her, but Chris is just along for the ride. Classic Chris. He's on the Hogwarts <laughs> Express. <laughs> yeah, that's the train. Huh? Yep. 
Got it. Nailed That's right. it. Nice. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> uh, one point for, well, I won't say what your house is yet. Ooh. Um, and then we have uh, a Patreon up with a, f- a few tiers, a $2 tier, a $5 tier, and a $10 tier where you can get all kinds of cool stuff like access to the unedited astro probes. You get to ask uh, you get to ask me an astrology question once a month that I'll answer for you. And uh, 20% off our merch. Wait, is it 10%? I think 10 or 20. 20% off our entire merch store. Uh, and one night with... And one night with Chris's what? wife. My wife. And no, no at, funny business. Starting at $2. <laughs> what the hell? That's it's what you wife. said at Hooters. All right. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And we have all kinds of new merch up as well. Some enamel pins and t-shirts and fun stuff like that. All right. Let's talk about Harry Potter. Rishi seems to know like a moderate amount. Yeah. I um, think so. I, I've read all the books. Mm-hmm. I've seen all the movies. Mm-hmm. Last time I saw one of the movies was last Christmas with you and Jenny. Yeah, we did Christmas with Rishi last year, Jenny and I, and we showed up to Rishi's house on Christmas Eve wearing our Ravenclaw outfits. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I know it's pathetic and no one else was dressed up. <laughs> Not that you said you were going to dress up. We did it. We were going to do it regardless, but it wasn't until you opened your door that it hit me how silly I felt. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that you knew so much more about it because we made such a big thing out of like Harry Potter Christmas. It just, it feels like a good, it's a good movie to watch on Christmas, I think. So here's all the trivia I dug up. I thought You're I gonna knew. You're going to quiz us? No. I would never because this is shit I didn't know till I looked it up. I thought I knew about Harry Potter astrology and then I found so much more and it was so exciting. I was like screaming to Jenny as I was learning this stuff. You okay. can try to try quiz me. Maybe I can get it. Just one, and then you can just rattle through the rest of them. Okay, who who teaches the students astrology in Hogwarts? Oh, it's definitely one of the teachers. Um, <laughs> gotta be freaking Dame Maggie Smith. Um, no. Is it Tre- Tre- Trelawney? Yeah, Professor Trelawney. Trelawney who is played by uh, uh, another dame, Emma Thompson. Yeah. <gasps> So there's there's a lot of speculation there was that J.K. Rowling used to used astrology for Harry Potter character inspo. And then this was confirmed when in 2010, somebody showed up at British Antiques Roadshow with an entire horoscope chart reading that was done by J.K. Rowling for her friend's newborn son. And she even illustrated the cover for it. And it's like two fish swimming underwater above a chest with a lion coming out of it with like the moon shining down on it. Whoa. So like you could probably guess it. The child, the baby is a Pisces sun with a Leo moon. I... No joke, was just going to say Pisces. Because Pisces is fish. Yeah, one of the few things that you've... <laughs> That's right. ...really loved knowing about yeah. astrology, we'll say. Um, and then I Googled that because I wanted to fact check it from the article I read. And also on, on British Antiques Roadshow, they were saying that it was worth 25,000 pounds. And so I Googled it, and there was actually another one that she did for someone else, I don't know who, that is up for sale right now, that she and she illustrated the cover as well, and you can buy that one. I think it said it was like 22,000 pounds or something. People just don't want these anymore, huh? Well, that's what I said to Jenny. I was like, <laughs> I'd be pissed if I was JK Rowling. And yeah. I was like, you're selling your son's horoscope I did for him? Fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> It's not but, like she can't trace the origin of who sold it. Yeah, right? It's like her chi- the child's like full name is on the cover right. of the... So all of this to say that J.K. Rowling is an astrologer, more so than just like being a hobbyist. She seems to like really know this shit. And now that I know this, it's like blatantly obvious that she she totally did use astrology for the characters in Harry Potter and, um, and then much more like with the astrology class in the books because Harry Potter 4 is filled with technical astrology professor trelawney teaches it in the fourth year divination class and then later on forens i think that's how you say it that's how hagrid says it in the movies the centaur you wouldn't know chris there's um a centaur named forens and he takes Wait, over he was in this movie wasn't he he the centaur? talks about the unicorn oh he meets harry in the woods yeah and he's like the cgi guy <laughs> yeah the very very cgi well, they guy couldn't, they couldn't afford a real centaur they couldn't yeah. cast him but it's and it's not just basic astrology when either of them teaches it after friends takes over for Trelawney. Um, at one point, Parvati Patil describes Trelawney's interpretation of Mars square Saturn, which <laughs> is like some next level shit to talk about in Harry Potter. And what's more is that when they talk about Mars square Saturn, it's like nuanced enough that J.K. Rowling even made Trelawney's interpretation of it kind of silly and base, which is kind of like everything Trelawney does is like 
very entry level or like it's easy to be skeptical of whatever Trelawney's saying, even though she's not wrong and she's like a prophet. But the way she teaches is just like pretty stupid. Does this happen in both the books and the movies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, they might have left out a lot of the astrology stuff in the movies. They leave out a lot of Trelawney stuff that happens in the fourth one, I think. Sorry, I think actually in the in the movies, the astrology, the astrological part of the stuff is more on the divination side. So it's kind of it's the kind of astrology that you don't like that I think they feature more. It's more of the yeah. fortune telling and less about the, um, you know, the ther- therapy personality yeah. interpretation. Well, so then when they do Ferenza's interpretations, his are way more serious, but they're both based on divination where Trelawney views it as like, so she says that Mars squares Saturn. She says like Mars represents hot stuff and Saturn represents challenges. So everybody should be careful about touching hot stuff when Mars is square Saturn, which obviously it's not like wrong technically, but it's like the last thing you would ever assign to Mars square Saturn, like bottom of the list, like bottom of the barrel interpretation. But then Ferenz says that Mars is a harbinger of war and that the centaurs don't use it for trivial daily stuff, that they use it for greater matters for prediction. So they would, he says something about like Mars shining in the sky would be uh, an indication of like a war coming. So they're both predictive. So I don't, I wouldn't use them that way, but like it's, interesting that jk rowling made the centaur's interpretation way more like i don't know serious and and based more it seems on like medieval astrology as opposed to trelawney who's like newspaper astrology and then like trelawney also mentions lavender brown's uranus um (laughs) and that it's unaspected so that's like another it's just crazy that jk is talking about like all of the planets and aspects and stuff in these books. And she also says that Pluto disturbs day-to-day life in a number of ways, which Pluto, like Trelawney says that. Mickey Mouse's dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that exists. Disney exists within the Harry Potter universe. Ferenz the centaur also has a wounded leg, I think, in the books. Which leg? I don't know. I can't tell the difference between the four of them. Making him the literal image of Chiron, who in mythology is an injured centaur who creates antidotes for wounds and illnesses and becomes a healer. And it's also where we get the name for the planetary body Chiron. We'll learn about in a later episode, but basically it deals with healing your own mortal wound. So it's like pretty cool that she had a centaur named Chiron teach astrology to these kids. And then in the movies at the Ministry of Magic, the employees have their sun and moon signs on their IDs instead of their birthdays. I think it's... I, oh, think I, didn't, it's, remember, I didn't remember that or re- maybe I didn't even know what a moon sign was back then anyway. It's like, it's either in the movie. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I didn't know what any of this was and didn't even remember it. Yeah. I like felt like I was reading this for the first time. I think it was in the movies that they do that. It might've been in like a book about the movies that JK put out. I can't remember where it came from, but something Mm -hmm. that is like canon. So yeah, coming back to character inspo, we're given the birthdays for actually kind of like a lot of characters. Like it feels like we know the birthdays of an abnormal amount of characters in this universe and the characters defining traits are like what their signs are based on their birthdays. Like Ron is a Pisces and he's really emotional in the books. And Hermione is a know-it-all Virgo. Harry is like the heart of the lion as a Leo. And Sirius Black is a really dark and mysterious person and he's a Scorpio. Who's Sirius Black? He shows up in the third one. He's Harry's godfather. (laughs) Oh my God. Why did I watch the first one? I don't know. You told me to. Well, I just... I don't. I guess I could have told you to watch the third one. Mm-hmm. I figured you told me that you might not even actually watch it, so I didn't I think did it would matter. I did tell mind. you that, <laughs> but I watched it. Um, and Hagrid is like far big traveling, guy, huge guy. Yes, a, like a jolly big guy who travels a lot, and he's a Sagittarius. His scale, mm-hmm. not to be rude, uh huh, seems to fluctuate throughout the movie. <laughs> Like, at one point, he's, like, taller than, like, a tree, and then the next, uh-huh. he's, like, the same size as a train. A train? The train! At the end, when he's walking next to the train, I'm like, I thought he was so much bigger than that. Well, I guess, again, the movies couldn't afford to hire a half-giant, so they Rude. had to make it up with a human man. That's um, fucked up. That wouldn't fly today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Stone was originally cast for the part. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and then Voldemort, who wants more than anything to have a place of prominence in the world, is a Capricorn. Dobby, the house elf who is devoted to our particular family, is a Cancer. Fred and George Weasley, who break all the rules, drop out, and start their own business, are both Aries. The only Gemini mentioned is Malfoy, which I can only view as a jab at Gemini. And Luna Lovegood is like a zany, out-of-the-box Aquarius, which is like... I mean, that's like the easiest throwaway example of what I'm talking about here. She's just is, kind of... Is Malfoy, does he... Uh, is he always kind of a douchebag, like, till the end? Well, I guess we should say there's going to probably be spoilers if anybody out there is, like, behind 25 years behind the times. <laughs> um, so Draco is, like, a shithead, but he's not evil. And he does at the end of the day, when it, like, really comes down to, like, the last wire, he does the right thing. I think he's, like, uh, groomed by his family to be an evil sack of shit but something like in his core won't let him fully commit to it and he like he makes it out of there's like the great war at the end of the seventh book which is supposed to be kind of like a metaphorical or like synonymous in some way with world war ii and hitler and um and he comes out like alive because a lot of people die in the seventh book he comes out like alive and has kids basically he's like good but he's just a little shit about it Did the play happen like, mm -hmm. it, like, did they the perform? cursed child? And I feel like everyone got mad because didn't they cast a, a black woman to play Hermione? And people yes. were like, "That's not canon." Yeah, and oh which my is God. Just like, does it? Matter? <laughs> also, is it decidedly not canon? Don't. And I think J.K. Rowling's defense of it was like, I don't technically say she's white in the books, which yeah. is true. Which is true. But also, classic Rowling trying to just like insert things into the canon story that weren't written previously so yeah anyone who has even somewhat of a grasp on the 12 signs i feel like should be able to see that jk either used astrology as inspo for the characters or at the very least assigned them specific birthdays based on the character she created mm, and like mm -hmm. their yeah personality what's the actor who plays snape's name alan rickman Rest he's so good in this movie in the first one. I mean, I'm sure he's great in all of them. He is. He's like a shining star. Mm -hmm. I love him in everything. He's, he's so great. He's so funny in the one I watched. He's yeah. like, he just, he plays it so perfectly. Chris, one thing you would probably like, have you heard of, Jenny will probably remember what it's called, those like Harry Potter spoof movies. I was thinking actually <gasps> that Chris and Brad Neely Hell yeah. have a little bit of overlap. Is Brad Neely the guy who made those? Wizard yes. Wizard Reader. That's what it's called. So he took the original movies and then overdubbed them with all of his own dialogue. And it's fucking hilarious. Nice. Yeah, the movies will like be like... It's just it's just the movies, but he dubs over them? It's just the first one. <laughs> there's my, my favorite. There's like... I don't even know who it is, but there's during the Quidditch game, they like... Whoever it is who like sets off the game, he calls that character... Professor Catface Meowmers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got kind of a weird cat face. Is yes. that even in the books? I don't know what that. What the My name first look that, at but... her, I thought she didn't have nostrils. <laughs> it's but Voldemort it in disguise. Yeah. yeah. He also calls Hagrid Hagar the Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> he calls. Um... Well, Snape is a lady in his interpretation. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, he's just. Gendered as female, yeah. yeah. Alan Rickman, and he's like, she walks over to. The <laughs> <laughs> and fucking what's up? He calls McGonagall Professor Hardcastle, Hardcastle McCormick. McCormick. <laughs> Except for the one part when he changes it to Professor Softcastle McCormick. <laughs> it's so good. It's really good. We should watch that around Christmas time this year. Yeah, I've it. never seen the whole thing. I've only check seen. It out. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um. So, yeah, I guess we should explain the houses to Chris a little, but you saw the first movie. Do you feel like... I don't... I, nothing in it to me, and maybe I zoned out. Who knows? <laughs> that doesn't sound like me, but it's possible that it didn't seem... Other than Slytherin, I didn't feel any, like, true, like, these are the defining characteristics of these houses. Yeah, and that seems fair because... First of all, it's the movies, so they probably put less of a focus on it. And also, like, you, like, get more of a grasp on it as you read the other six books. Um, but basically, Rishi, why don't you take it away? Oh, but real quick, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all in the same house? Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're all in Gryffindor, which is uh, defined by bravery. Okay. Then there's Hufflepuff, which is defined, defined by kindness. Okay. Um, 
maybe loyalty, possibly. Yeah. Um, third is Ravenclaw, which is uh, cleverness and intelligence, oh, smarts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then fourth is Slytherin, um, which kind of unfairly gets a rap for, for evil. It's not actually evil, it's more cunning and ambition. Yeah. Um, and those two things can end up manifesting. There are a lot of sort of evil people who have come out of Slytherin because cunning and ambition can kind of manifest in ways that lead towards down right. bad paths. But and, and also it goes back, like the history of Hogwarts goes like in the books, like all the way back to the foundation of it. And the guy that created Slytherin was this like evil guy who believed that people like wizards should remain pure-blooded and oh so he had oh. a lot of his like friends <laughs> yeah he had a lot of like friends and like-minded people in his house and then like hereditarily or like through lineage a lot of the same people have like carried on as and that's true for all the houses like lineage like a lot of people will be related ancestrally like all the way back to the founders of the house so i think like they also just are at a disadvantage and that an evil dude created the house of slytherin mm -hmm. right but not everyone in slytherin is is evil yeah, yeah. i mean most people aren't i mean we're talking about like children in these mm -hmm. books mm -hmm. yeah anytime somebody says muggle in the movie it made me go oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> it feels like charged yeah yeah and it is and it, it really like it, it opens up, I think from, I would say from like the fourth book on, it starts to be way more blatant that Voldemort seems synonymous with Hitler. Because also Voldemort himself isn't even a pure blood wizard. He's a half blood. Kind of like how Hitler wasn't, you know. Aryan. Aryan, yeah. What? Um, yeah. This is how I find out? <laughs> oh my In a Harry God. Potter episode of an astrology <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like i think they talk about how hermione she's a gryffindor but seems she acts like a ravenclaw and at some point in the books they mentioned that like the sorting hat who seems to be a conscious being mm -hmm. Wait, ravenclaw um, is the it's smart and intelligent clever thing mm -hmm. yeah um and the sorting hat which seems to have a mind of its own and like decides on its own who gets sorted into what's ha into what house in the same way that he almost sorts Harry into Slytherin but keeps him in Gryffindor, he almost sorts Hermione into Ravenclaw but keeps her in Gryffindor. Um, because there can be something, despite your personality qualities, like in the core of your being, that it seems like they basically put Hermione in Gryffindor so that she could unite with Harry and Ron to play out their pro Harry's prophecy of like saving everyone. Yeah, th there's... The sorting hat takes into consideration not just what it detects in you, but like you can also state a preference. Um, so, so with Harry, he really did not want to be in Slytherin. He, he yeah. had all these horrible associations with it. And so, even though he had some of the qualities in there, he was and like, by blood, he's related to. Or right, sorry, because of the spell between him and Voldemort, he's imbued with some of the like dna of voldemort yeah but then there are things but sometimes that hat actually can't figure it out or like mm -hmm. it takes a really long time hardcastle Mc mccormick being one of them <laughs> i remember when that harry potter game came out like 10 years ago and everyone wanted to do it just to get sorted mm -hmm. and then people were like some people seem to really take it to heart because the game jk rowling had such a hand in it that they were like whatever i get sorted into by this game is simply what i am mm. and i always hated that because i feel like you know like you have a sense of who you are especially if you're an adult on this game site like you know who you are better than this game will and we're talking about sorting children so it's like pretty easy i think if you know yourself to figure out what house you would have been sorted into and also i think a lot of a lot of kids grew up feeling like Gryffindor because that's what Harry was in. And the books are all through Harry's perspective. And so he also has a particular distaste for Slytherin, which is another like count against Slytherin. It really doesn't have a chance to um, have a decent place in the... Yeah. Another house that gets shat on is Hufflepuff because Hufflepuff, I guess, seems kind of like basic in the books. Or meek. Or yeah, or meek. And so people, I feel like... It's got a real bad name. It's got the least... <laughs> uh, Badass. Yeah, like evocative name. Yeah. Hufflepuff. To me, <laughs> to me Hufflepuff, I mean, it sounds like um, Jigglypuff from yeah. Pokemon, which is like, what? what's wrong with that? Yeah. Can I tell you a story about my wife? Yes. So my wife, who is um, a Virgo, mm -hmm. we were talking about stuff a few years ago. I remember, I think we were just going through all this stuff, like our, like Briggs-Myers or Myers-Briggs, whatever. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and so along those lines, I was like, oh, what? house do you think you would be sorted into and she said gryffindor 
And I was like, I think you would be Slytherin. And she was so insulted by it. <laughs> and I was like, and uh, in terms of what you're saying about knowing oneself, mm -hmm. she could not believe it. She's like, no, I would definitely be Gryffindor. And then she took the test and she was Slytherin. <gasps> yeah, I would Whoa. see Lindsay as a Slytherin or a Hufflepuff. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, so first I did the houses by element. Mm. And we'll do that. We'll, I put all of the signs into houses as well, not by element, but just for like the elements themselves. It seems almost like JK possibly used the astrological elements to create these houses as well um, because they just line up so well. So Gryffindor would be fire, of course. Uh, so Gryffindor I put as fire because uh, it's kind of like possessed by its own mission and uh, in warmth. And Ravenclaw as air because it's all mental and uh, and wittiness and Hufflepuff as earth because it's very like grounded and working within order and systems um, and and reliability and Slytherin as water because it's kind of more elusive and emotionally influenced in a particular way. I think that kind of like is wrapped up within their identity and how they're and, and oh right also because water is tied to the past and i think a lot of slytherin stuff is tied to like um lineage and history making hogwarts great again <laughs> yeah unfortunately yes <laughs> um so then i did it by signs which is i did not match up by element i didn't put like all of the fire signs in gryffindor or whatever because the the 12 signs are like uh, in terms of archetypes so different and not just they're not just their elements they're their own characters so um in Gryffindor I put Leo obviously it's the lion and it's like Leo like is basically Gryffindor and Sagittarius so Leo is like perhaps the most kind of driven forward by its sense of purpose and direction and like warmth and everything mm -hmm. um and it's very positive it's very fair and fairness seems to be a huge part of Gryffindor Sagittarius because they're simply so like happy just pure happiness and joy and warmth and sharing and giving <laughs> Jenny's big grin um, and then Ravenclaw I did Gemini and Virgo because and Aquarius um, because Gemini and Virgo are, are both ruled by Mer Mercury which is like intelligence and wit and and analysis and then Aquarius so I I kind of like stumbled on Aquarius Lil. I wasn't sure if I should put Aquarius and Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw because Aquarius is service to others, but they're not the act of the actual service. They they create systems that people can work within to service other people. So the creation of the system to service others I saw as Ravenclaw. It's like the meticulous um like the ideas and the innovation and the creation of something to better others and that felt more Ravenclaw. This is awesome because this, the, the, I just had like my own little sorting hat moment with Jess as the sorting hat because I'm a, an Aquarius mm -hmm. and I feel pulled both in Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. Directions. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. wow. That's crazy. Uh, for Hufflepuff, I put Taurus, Libra, and Pisces. Um, Taurus and Libra, Libra are both ruled by Venus, which is like about balance and beauty and value, which are things that I would tie to Hufflepuff. They're kind of like and Taurus is an earth sign and very into the simple things in life and the the like good things in life and I think Hufflepuff is always working to like obtain stability and comfort um, and also Libra is a side of Venus that is about friendship and relationships and, and how, uh, balance and harmony and and friendship and that feels like pure Hufflepuff and then Pisces because Pisces where Aquarius creates the system for service to others Pisces is like all about servicing others and um, caring for other people and that feels really Hufflepuff to me and then for Slytherin I put um, Aries, Cancer, Scorpio and Capricorn because Aries is just doing its own thing it, it Aries cannot be swayed from its own opinions and from its own ambition and Cancer although it's like so Cancer is Slytherin in that it's got kind of this like watery past to it it's like a window into its own family and history um it also can become kind of like uh it can close off and become not antagonistic uh but volatile or just kind of like escaping a situation to go on its own path when it feels like offended or um it's very just like on its own wavelength and if someone upsets it it takes it very personally um scorpio because they're 
dark and mysterious, which feels really Slytherin to me. And also, again, just like driven towards its own its own thing. Scorpio will destroy in order to create new. And I feel like Slytherin wouldn't shy away from destruction, especially if it was to serve the greater good. And then Capricorn is really wanting to forge its own path to be special and to be like acknowledged for its work. And that feels really Slytherin. It's like ambitious and um, yeah. So what do you feel like your sun and rising would make you? Which also leads to the next thing, which is um, like, how would you sort yourself and, and based on your chart too? I had thought, like I said, I thought I would be Ravenpuff. Um, but I actually, I think I, I liked it better when you were figuring it out because I feel like you know more about the stuff anyway. So I'm, I have an Aquarius sun and what are my other things? Well, so for just going in the like the sun rising thing, yeah. according to my system, that would put you in Ravenclaw slash Slytherin. And if then you break it down by sign instead of just element, that would put you in Ravenclaw slash Slytherin. So I guess that worked out for both of my things for yeah. elements um, and signs. Um, and then like when it comes to look, I looked at your all three of your charts. So I ha would have notes on what I would sort you based on your charts and my outline and also what I just felt like might be true. Mm -hmm. um, and I put you as a Ravenclaw Slytherin, which ended up like lining up with the system I created anyway, like how I felt in my system panned out for all all four of us. And um, I'm a Hufflepuff Slytherin. Is that how you feel? There's some things about Slytherin that I think I identify with. Is I did, we'll bad? get there, but I did put you as a Hufflepuff Slytherin. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, so for Rishi's chart, yeah, Ravenclaw, Slytherin, because Scorpio rising and Aries moon, I would both be Slytherin. Scorpio rising is, or and, and Aquarius, Sun, Mars, and Mercury, you have all three of those would be Ravenclaw. So you have like a lot of primary placements that are Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff by my sorting. Your Sun is in the fourth house. So though your Sun is in Aquarius, which is tied to Ravenclaw, it's in the fourth house, which is related to Cancer, and then I sorted into Slytherin. And then your moon is in Aries, and I put Aries as Slytherin. And in the sixth house, which I tied to Virgo, which is sorted to Ravenclaw. Basically, your whole chart kind of like feeds into Ravenclaw and Slytherin over and over in a lot of different ways. Does that and what does that make sense? Does that square with what? I mean, how you think of me as a person? Yeah, I think so. I I would guess Ravenclaw, Slytherin. Jenny. Jenny, do you think so? I think Ravenclaw, Slytherin, or Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff. The sli um, I think it makes sense. I mean, the Slytherin part that I didn't really think about until we had this conversation, until we, we've been recording, is the the sort of um, the water sign part of it, the like the mm -hmm. going with the flow, mm -hmm. um, improvisational part of it. And, and also, well, water is something that can adapt and has give to it. Um, one thing, uh, an astrologer that I reference a lot in the pod, and that's one of my personal favorite astrologers is Darby Costello. And she talks about water as something that can be as like, it can be beautiful and flexible, but it can also be very like, uh, powerful and destructive, which I think is true for, and I don't necessarily mean destructive in a negative way. It's just like, you know, water can be something that we touch and feel peaceful with. And it's like a sense of tranquility. It's, you know, like water in the womb is all related and comfort and, even in science, they say that when humans are around water, it like helps your brain. Um, but then also you can drown in water. You can like have a ship go down in water and kill everyone. It's like very dangerous. Um, and I feel that way about Slytherin too, where it can be kind of just like very direct and like existing in, in the world in a particular way and um, having its own sense of power that gives it a confidence that means it, it has the confidence to adapt to others and other situations. And then it can also just kind of close that door and be like, no, this is what I'm doing right now. So, and so why is Chris Hufflepuff Slytherin? Why do you think Chris? Oh, I, I have my thoughts about it, but I'd like to hear what Jess says and then I will agree with her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I put Chris as a Slytherin Hufflepuff. I couldn't decide which one was first. It wasn't like with Rishi, I feel like he is Ravenclaw before Slytherin by just like a small margin you're just you're like one of the smartest people I know, but you're also one of the most like ambitious people I know. And I feel like the ambition uses the intelligence a lot. And so I, I guess I would put the intelligence as like the primary for you. And then for Chris's, I just like couldn't tell which one was the primary. 
And so Chris, as we know, has a heavy dose of Capricorn with it as his rising and his Mars and his Neptune. Um, They're all just kind of like in in his moon, all chilling right on the ascendant there. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean in terms of what he's like? Uh, So like. Um, okay, so I put that the, the Capricorn reads to me as Slytherin, and it's what I sorted <laughs> Slytherin into because it's about the personal journey, hard work, perseverance, and feeling special. Definitely about specialness. Yes. But the like funny, down to earth, grounded, very grounded side of Chris feels very Hufflepuff to me. Nice. And then breaking down. Very Chris. grounded. Yeah, you feel very like you're. So, I think I've said this before. You're just like such a level person, at least like you know externally. I don't know what goes on in that little brain of yours. Big ass brain. <laughs> So breaking down Chris's chart within my system, we've we talked about in the elements episode that your chart is like overwhelmingly earth. It's like when you tally up all of the aspects and houses and planets and signs, (laughs) 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 which would make you um, that would be like huffle puffian mm-hmm. um but within the sign system you would I think be it's huffle poovian <laughs> <laughs> but all the capricorn i mean i put capricorn as slytherin so you have so many heavy capricorn placements that, that would be like overwhelmingly slytherin you have your mercury and north node in aries which i put What's in a slytherin. north node i've never heard of that before the nodes are like it's the symbol kind of looks like like a horseshoe with two circles on either side and the south node is the same thing flipped upside down. The The south node indicates your past and your habits and what comes easy to you where you always default when something kind of happens in your life like mm. uh, personality traits and habits that feel comforting to you but aren't necessarily always how you should be. And the north node is things that you grow into and learn from throughout your life. So mm. the north node is like your north star or whatever, I guess you might say. And, and so, so what was Chris's? So Chris's Mercury and north node, where he's going and, and how he processes his like mental faculties, are both in Aries, which I tied to Slytherin. His descendant, so the opposite of the rising sign uh, on the other side of the chart, opposite the ascendant, is um, in Cancer, which I also put in Slytherin, and he has Pluto and Scorpio on the midheaven, which is another chart point at the twelve o'clock position. It's just a lot of like his, a lot of his angles and and planetary bodies are in uh, signs or houses that are related to Slytherin. And the only Hufflepuff placement, though, would be his Jupiter and Pisces, because I put Pisces in in Hufflepuff, but that paired with all of the Earth in your chart, which is also Hufflepuff. So. Long story short, all your planetary placements look like Scorpio, but all of your chart elements look like Hufflepuff. So again, it's pretty split. Um, Wait, Slytherin. I think you said Scorpio. Oh, sorry. I keep doing that. Scorpio and Slytherin are doing something in my brain. Um, Yeah. Why do you feel Hufflepuff, Slytherin? Um, Oh, that's a good question. I, I think I definitely... Uh, with the Slytherin thing, like I definitely feel like I have ambition, yeah, and like drive, which seems to be Slytherin-y. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what are the Hufflepuff things? What are like the basic things about it? Kindness and loyalty to um people in need and hard uh, work. Yeah, hard work is definitely Hufflepuff. Like not necessarily the work you're doing, but that you're like invested in it and doing it well. And like, yeah. But like a caregiving quality. Mm. Yes. That sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) But I think like the caregiving and the loyalty have like an overlap where like I don't think the caregiving is always inherent of Hufflepuff. I think it can be strictly loyalty, which can be viewed as caregiving perhaps to like a friend or a partner or whoever their loyalties lie with. Yeah, I feel loyal loyalty more than caregiving-y. Mm-hmm. But loyalty, like you just said, I think is like uh, can be an extension of caregiving, but yeah. strangely, only to other white people. Hey, that's it. Just so happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Slytherin in me. Exactly. <laughs> um, we'll just kind of like blow through mine really quick. But what what does you guys think I would be? Ravenclaw. Uh, you came dressed to you came to my house dressed as Ravenclaw, so that was a pretty good indication. <laughs> but sometimes people are wrong, or they they have project serious projections about themselves that make them identify as like certain things. Well, no, you seem. I mean, like 
You seem Ravenclaw. Yeah, very, very much. You know, like you want to, you want to, you want to read the Dungeons and Dragons player guide from cover to cover. <laughs> well, not just to learn about who doesn't. <laughs> not just to learn about your own character and what your own character can do, but like how the world works. And you want to class, you know, figure out the classifications and the systems and the structures of it. And that is all super Ravenclaw. Both the acquisition of knowledge, but also the um, taxonomization of that knowledge. Mm. That's all stuff that you are super into. I mean, this whole podcast is based on that. Yeah. I, f I feel personally like I don't even have a secondary house. Like I feel so deeply Ravenclaw. Right. And like, I mean, I have a Gemini son, which I think like anyone would put Gemini. I guess a lot of Gemini haters would put it as Slytherin, but that's uninformed in terms of astrology and Harry Potter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like Gemini is very Ravenclaw and I have like my Mercury also in Gemini and there, there's like a lot of like repeated Ravenclaw and not a whole lot, whatever. But I basically feel purely Ravenclaw and I guess I wonder if like there's any kind of split to you guys or like do you feel like there's something that's a toss up? I think uh, pure Ravenclaw makes, makes sense to me. Me too. If Jenny agrees. I third you to me, you're Gryffindor. <laughs> All the way. I was like committed like Harry Potter became unfortunately a lifestyle for me and I think like I mean I've always been really big on fantasy and escapism and Harry Potter was like my first real dose of that and like I showed up this was in fourth grade I wasn't even that young like I was like fourth like I guess 10 is young but seems too old to have done what I did which was forge a letter from Dumbledore to myself in an emerald green pen. It was like a green gel pen. Wrote it to myself and brought it to school and told all my friends that I legitimately got an invite to Hogwarts and that I would be leaving at the end of the school year. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously great. a lot of kids, including my friends, were like, why are you doing this? And I committed to it until everybody forgot about it. But for like weeks, I was like, well, can't wait to go to Hogwarts. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I read the book so that I could, <laughs> so I could understand my niece you know she was super into them and uh and my sister and i think we had gotten her one or one of the books for christmas uh-huh and so i was like i want to know what she like it had just come out in paperback and so i was like i want to know what what this is that she's reading and my sister was like yeah you, i think you'd enjoy it and so i read it you know in one night when i got back from like on, yeah. on winter break and uh and then i just kind of kept going because i wanted to keep be, being able to talk to her about it i like failed out of second grade math because i would read it under my desk just during math class, because I hated it, not during anything else. Math sucks. That's not very Ravenclaw of you. No, but... That's so not Raven. But it, but it was Ravenclaw in that I was, like, reading words and, like, becoming, like... I mean, I could I could read, like, by the age of two, but I, like, still can't do math. <laughs> yeah, then for Jenny, what do you all think Jenny is? Which house is most into hunks? I mean, probably Gr Gryffindor. Gryffindor's like into yeah, like jocks it's all and about, stuff. Yeah, they're yeah. the jockiest. Yeah, it's got to be Gryffindor. Yeah, there's like jock jams playing in the Gryffindor common room yeah. all the time. Yeah. Jenny wrote a jock jam. High hopes. <laughs> hey, from CBS. That's how I know you. Wait, CBS? CVS. Oh, Every CBS. time I walk into CVS, that song's playing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, Pete Buttigieg. That's how I know you. Okay. <laughs> Mayor Pete. Yeah, I mean, I think Jenny Reads is a, a Gryffindor primarily, but I know Jenny identifies as a Ravenclaw, right? I, mean, I identify as a Ravenclaw because I so smart. got sorted into Ravenclaw. At the right. You didn't feel like a personal allegiance before that? Uh, when experiencing the books and movies, like I was like, oh, obviously Gryffindor is the best house you could be in mm. because that's mm -hmm. what they're you know, that's what you're getting from Harry's perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think like, so I, you read to me as a Gryffindor with a Ravenclaw leaning, even though like you're saying, like a lot of what you just said, I feel like made you seem more Gryffindor than I'd already even seen you and like less Ravenclaw. But, <laughs> but I mean like. I'm very smart actually. You're incredible. she's smart too. You're like. I don't care what Wicked smart. <laughs> <laughs> You're really smart and you, you know, like love reading and you love learning about stuff. And um, there are a lot of things that you do in a particular, you're very like particular. And which, systematic. Yeah. And systematic, which I don't think are things that are Gryffindor at all. So you feel like, like both to me. And your chart is like mine in that it's predominantly air uh, with 
like it's like a little over half air and then the rest is primarily fire so in hogwarts houses that would make you um a little more ravenclaw leaning over gryffindor um but then you do have three planets in sagittarius which i put in gryffindor your rising is in leo gryffindor i mean that having a leo rising alone i think would make someone seem like a gryffindor and you have a healthy dose of libra which does show a dash of hufflepuff um but I did almost put Libra in Ravenclaw. I feel like the f- I put Libra and Hufflepuff in service to others is definitely a huge part of like you. You like love helping everyone around you. But I think that there's a lot of Libra stuff that's more Ravenclaw leaning, like the a particular way of appreciating beauty and like surrounding yourself with like old books and shit like that is like more Ravenclaw ish. I love helping people around me, especially Chris's wife. Oh, my God. Get out of my mic. That's my wife. Cassie, come home. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, Well, we did it. So Jenny is a Ravenclaw Gryffindor. I don't know in what order. I think Gryffindor Gryffindor? first, right? Yeah. Wow, the best house first. I guess we have to go back to Wizarding World and get you a Gryffindor sweater. (laughs) Chris... Uh, Hufflepuff Slytherin. Which one first? Mm, interesting. It's hard to say, right? Maybe we don't pick. I first. feel like the Hufflepuff. Uh, I wish the Slytherin was first, but the Hufflepuff is first. How about All that? All right. And then Rishi Ravenclaw Slytherin. Slytherin. And you feel like which one do you think is first? You know the the but the thing is, I don't. I am not a great student. Uh, Didn't you go to Yale? But my my way in through school was always like to try and BS my way as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Like I would try and learn as little, uh, you know, just get the bare minimum Mm -hmm. from what I needed from the books and the rest. I would just try and yeah, I would try and improvise. Yeah, and so might might be Slytherin first, and then or maybe it's fifty, maybe it's halfsies. Yeah. Yeah, and hearing you say that too, like your um your th- your three your big three your sun moon and rising of Aquarius, Aries and Scorpio don't read as like they're not ruled by Mercury. They're not like known for studiousness, but they're they're not known for not caring about intelligence or education. So like the way you put it, learning for the sake of doing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we did it. We did all the Harry Potter shit. I feel totally differently about myself than before we started this conversation. Whoa. Really? Yeah. I came in thinking I was Ravenpuff, and now it turns out I'm Slitherclaw. I came in wondering if I had, I wasn't sure if I had a dose of Gryffindor or not. And now that we're walking away from it, I'm like, no, I'm just like pure, a Ravenclaw purist. When I took the, the quiz online, the long one, the, you know, 60 question one, I got Ravenclaw. I'm like afraid to take those now because I feel pretty confident that I'm Ravenclaw and those quizzes just are like a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. And I guess astrology can be too, which mm-hmm. is why if you learn more about it, you get in touch with yourself and then you learn who you are, not the astrology telling you who you are. Mm-hmm. Nice. Should we do some advice? I got a pee so bad. Okay, Great. advice. So, uh, Chris, I want you to read the first question, but before you do, it... it it's something I typed out from an audio submission we received. Someone did a song question. No one has heard this yet except me, and I'm going to play it for you. Okay. Okay, here's the question. It's Oh, it's from um, Sam. Sammy Davis Jr. Just the most beautiful human being. Chris Frayner. The sexiest man to walk the earth. And Jenny Owens. Producer Jenny, I wish every mom was like you. Mom? I thought <laughs> no, like you're our boss. It's my home. My family wants me to Milf. move to Anchorage with them. But I love this place. I think for the better I should move. Go about saying goodbye. How did you beautiful souls do it? We 
Okay, I typed it out so we can read the the text of what he asked. Okay. I live in Bethel, Alaska. I think he said Bethel. If I'm wrong, not my fault. Go. Is there a place called Bethel, Alaska? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's my home. My family wants me to move to Anchorage with them, but I love this place. I think for the better, I should move, but I'm having a hard time parting ways. How should I go about saying goodbye? How did you beautiful souls do it? Please let me know. It is a real place. It is Bethel. Oh, cool. All right. How far is that? Is it far? Yeah, how far is that from Anchorage? Alaska's pretty tiny little state, isn't it? No, it's fucking huge. Oh. No, come on. It's <laughs> got to be small. So cold. <laughs> <laughs> like Pluto, small and cold. Yeah. All right, Bethel to Anchorage. 400 miles, so it's pretty far. That's far. Okay, here's what you do. Buy two houses. This sounds like this person is perhaps living with their family. No, they're not living with... Wait, oh, they're living with their family now and their 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 family family is moving. moving. I get they didn't say I guess if if they're if they were living with their family. Yeah. Um so I guess I, I take it back. Sure, buy a house. Buy two houses. Um, leaving the place you live is hard, but if you can, you know, find a way to get excited about the new place you're gonna live, you know, do some research. Yeah. I uh I've moved a lot. Um I moved a lot as a kid when it was out of my control and they hated it, and I've moved a lot as an adult where it was my decision. And the way that I think I've been able to like be at peace with the move no matter what in my life has been that no matter what happens, I will learn something new about the world and myself. And at the end of the day, home, wherever I feel like home is, will be there to return to later. So you can always go back, but um, you can't always redo your life and try new things. So that's so true. um, Yeah, I would say go and do it. And if you don't like it, then save up and move home to Bethel. Great advice. You two are great at this. Thank you. We're pros. This is legally binding advice. All right, next. (laughs) Rishi, do you want to read number two? Sure. Um, This is from someone who has a Gemini son. Oh, is that unnamed person? Chris always named I name them. This is, of course, John Arbuckle. John Arbuckle says, hey, Jess and Chris, love you guys, love the pod. So I'm a Gemini sun, Leo moon, and Sagittarius rising. I've been, in a commi- I've been in a committed relationship for over three years now, which is the longest I've dated someone, despite being engaged twice. Oop. I'm still absolutely in love with my partner and want to make things work, but lately I've been getting depressed and frustrated because I'm so bored with our day-to-day life. He's a Virgo sun and moon and cap rising. Whoa, he's a Virgo sun and moon and cap rising. Yeah, triple earth. And usually all that earth balances me out, but when it comes to downtime, I feel like we clash. He loves to spend our free time just cuddling and watching TV or playing video games, whereas I hate being home constantly and wanna be doing more fun and spontaneous things like hiking or going to parties. He also isn't as emotionally supportive as I need, though mm. to be fair, I am a lot. Don't, I don't wanna end the I don't wanna end the relationship, but also wanna feel fulfilled. Do either of you have any ideas for ways I can keep myself entertained without abandoning my partner? Well, you can have, do things on your own that that doesn't mean you're abandoning your partner. Yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? And I feel like Chris is the best authority on that, who loves going on tour, and his wife loves when he goes on tour, and yet <laughs> it never puts space between them. That's true. One uh, a friend of mine, my friend uh, Melissa, she was she is married to uh, my friend Sean, who was the drummer in my old band, and one time Cassie dropped Sean and I Cassie and Melissa dropped Sean and I off at the airport and on the drive home from the airport, Melissa was really sad and Melissa told me that Cassie put on the radio and was uh, singing and dancing to the, this is going to be the best day of my life song. (laughs) 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 I always think about that. And that's what you were listening to in your your, your earbuds on the airplane. No, I don't know. Yeah, I think you can... I think something that gets lost in a lot of relationships is that you can have your own life. You don't have to like all of a sudden have, you know, it's great to have a partner and to do a lot of things together, but there's, you should feel free to have your own life and have your own hobbies and go to your, hang out with your friends and yeah. do It was a very things. hard lesson for me to learn. Yeah? Yeah. But I learned it. I refuse to learn it. It's I do taken. everything with Jenny. <laughs> It's been very hard. Yeah. And I want to do everything together. Yeah, that's how I am. And uh, and she needs her alone time. Ah, okay. She actually flourishes 
with ha- having some alone time. So it's just you learning that lesson mm-hmm. kind of by yourself. Just sort of being like, okay, I got to give her that space and and then and then figuring out what I do with the next thing you know you're at the movies with 25 of your friends. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, Chris is citing a literal example where Lindsay went out of town and Rishi invited um, so many friends. I can't even remember the exact number to the movies. It was an entire row. Yeah, that we reserved in advance. And we did the wave. We tried <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did do that. Yeah. yeah, so it seems like what you do when you are trying to deal with like re- remaining active but doing things without your partner is like hanging out with friends and going to movies and doing stuff and having social gatherings. So mm-hmm. yeah, try that out. Um, who was it? The... Well, really, John this, Arbuckle. This John is more Arbuckle. for for John Arbuckle's man, um, Odie. I'm gonna say, <laughs> Odie. Uh, I think you might want to learn from my advantage, from my lesson. And when you feel uh, your Gemini, when you feel John going away to do uh, their own thing, you got to fill, find ways to fill your heart with other kinds of love. Yeah, Beautiful. that's great. Yeah. Okay. Third question. And this is a great question. Another unnamed. It's another unnamed person. Oh my gosh, Krampus. <laughs> uh, Krampus writes, "What sign is Santa Claus?" <laughs> this seems Why like. Why the hell a, does Krampus want to know? Yeah, I know. It seems like a trap or something. He's trying to get some dirt. <laughs> Maybe he has a crush on Santa Claus and he wants to know like how to get closer. Ah, uh, yeah. Getting to know. Yeah. Well, this question is fantastic because I have so many thoughts on what sign santa claus is santa claus is and i cannot be swayed from this belief a sagittarius clearly gryffindor santa claus all in red oh yeah oh yeah santa's gotta be total jock can also be a little bitch by giving people coal saint nicholas's birthday is march 15th says who a freaking fourth century christian saint wikipedia but we're not talking about the we're talking about coca-cola's santa claus all right (laughs) we're talking about the immortal okay demi-deity okay i got it we're talking about who gives us apple products yes yeah so sagittarius is known for traveling long distances that's santa's whole mo he travels the whole fucking world in his little sleigh with his little furry pals He's also kind of like an organizer of things. He's like a giver of goodness. And um, he works with a team of little elves that are like helping to like boost his goodness. They're like backing his goodness. Um, He probably was born in December, right? Early December in order to get ready for the first Christmas and which would also make him a Sagittarius. Like sprang into existence. Yeah. uh, Santa Claus. As a a full adult. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) December 1st. Like he was like, it's December. Yeah. Time to make the donuts. He's got a, he got his belly from Thanksgiving dinner. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just saying more evidence that he's Sagittarius. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's got to be Sag. And also Jupiter rules Sagittarius. Jupiter is tied to Zeus. And I feel like Santa and Zeus have some of the same energy. They're just like hearty Big men that energy. are up in the North Pole laughing heartily. Yeah. And also like Sagittarius is all about joy. And that's like fucking Santa. He's got a bowl full of jelly and he's just laughing. Santa is basically old Hagrid who flies. <laughs> yeah, a refined Stop, I mean, Hagrid, Hagrid flies on a motorcycle. motorcycle. So, practice. yeah, there you, you go. Exactly. Oh He's a motorcycle? Gosh. And Hagrid loves taking care of animals. He's the oh yeah, the dragon. animal keeper. So oh, right. you could totally imagine Hagrid later moving into Santa hood. Wow. Yeah. Well, I made a note on my phone when you guys were talking. Zeus suit riot. But yeah. You said that in another episode. Did I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I will delete the note. So I guess it's, it stands the test of time. It does stand the test of time. It keeps showing back up in my life. Uh, rate and review us. Chris, read the little number you found oh, on the I podcast. Oh, I found this. And I, you know I'm always digging around for information about this podcast. <laughs> uh, this is from Deviation of the Endless. Scary name. <laughs> the best ever. It's the best podcast ever and everyone is hot. That's nice. Thank you. Write into us for us to advan- uh, answer your advice questions yeah. at astroblasting.com or at astroblasting at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, at astroblasting on both. And we have a new Capricorn playlist up on Spotify and Apple Music, which you can find on our website under Astro Jams. All right. Rapid lightning round. Everybody say one thing you want for Christmas. I want a big jacket. Long. World peace. I need a new case for my, my phone. A quiet evening alone with Chris's wife. 
What the hell? It's my wife. Uh, I want more astrology books in classic Ravenclaw fashion. I want as many astrology books as I can swallow. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, a big bowl full of jelly, what? I'm H Who for the D. Who said that? Who Santa. said big bowl full of jelly? Santa's saying it every Christmas. I'm H for what? the D. That's uh, for the stars and back. You've never heard that? Santa? His stomach is a bowl full of jelly. Have you heard this? Yeah, his, his something something jiggles like a bowl full of jelly. It's in one of the songs. Oh, it's like a. It's canon. Twas it's, not, night. it's not really. It's not literally. A boy. <laughs> it's like. <laughs>